Hello, welcome to the Dive In Moviecast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. I'm Hayden. And I'm Wesley. And this week, we're all going to fly away together one last time into the forever and beautiful sky. We're going to be talking Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, a movie that I'm excited to talk about because anybody who listens to this podcast knows that Wesley and I have been extremely down on Marvel for, for quite some time now. And, and I love this movie, and I thought it was fantastic, and I'm excited to, to get into it and to talk about it all. Yeah, I have been shitting on Marvel for so long, um, yeah. so this movie is very refreshing to me. I'm just glad I don't have to hop on this mic and shit all over a Marvel movie once again. It's nice yeah. to actually have some positive things to say and really have enjoyed one of these for the first time in a while. Mm-hmm. Before we get into it, though, Wesley, let's talk a little bit about life. We haven't recorded an episode in like two weeks now. And yes. in the time since we last did one, you went to the UK. I did indeed. I went to London for a little family vacation, uh, just only for five days or whatever. But uh, it was amazing. Uh, it was so much fun. I had a blast. I went to the, um, did the Harry Potter tour on the Warner Brothers London lot, uh, which was amazing. I bought a wand because, of course. Um, you have to, yeah. I had to. Saw all the sights. Um was there on the day of the king's coronation uh which was very cool very interesting to watch that um but the biggest thing and something i story that i shared to hayden hayden was like you have to share that on the podcast um was i was walking down a street in london i can't even remember where i had just uh i had just seen like the globe theater which is the shakespeare theater that they've built in london um and I was walking down the street with my sister and my mom, and I see, like, we're in a crowd of people, so there's people going every which way. It's, like, really busy. Um, and I see one person uh, in, like, a full gray sweatsuit, and, I it like, there's, like, something that tingles the back of my head, but I don't really think about it, and I keep walking. Um, and then my younger sister goes, did you just see who he passed? And I said, what do you mean? And she was like, that was Joseph Quinn, uh, which who is from um, Stranger Things. He plays Eddie Munson in Stranger Things. The guy. Um, and if I had not been on like a busy street with like a huge crowd of people pushing me forward, I would have turned around so fast. Um, or if I had realized in that moment that it was him, I would have like stopped him. Like, I cannot believe that I fully was just like huh that guy's weirdly familiar in my head i don't who is that and then my sister was like joseph quinn you idiot um yeah missed opportunity that story's Uh, crazy you could have been like hey yo eddie munson hop on the pod literally uh he wouldn't have but um i was also hoping to see ryan reynolds who was also in london uh for his uh uh, football team um that he owns or co-owns rexingham fc uh and so he was there too because i saw him posting stuff about him celebrating a game they won or something i was like dang it i could have gone to a game and maybe saw ryan reynolds too that would have been cool ryan reynolds in his ted lasso era right now yeah missed opportunities but um i did have a wonderful time uh it's amazing over there i love london ah i can't wait to go back i want to go back so bad uh but yeah i'm so jealous that's a place that i really do want to visit quite a bit And another thing that I saw, which was incredible, was the Back to the Future musical. Um, Now, a lot of people might hear that and be like, what? That's kind of weird. Back to the Future is a musical. 
Um, but it was spectacular. Maybe one of the best musicals I've seen in a long time. Uh, and I've seen Wicked, uh, which is also amazing. But uh, it was just crazy. The set design, the music. Um, and it's like, it's one of those shows or one of those things that a lot of people already know. Like most people have seen Back to the Future or whatever, um, or have been shown it. Uh, and even if you haven't seen them all, most people have just seen the first one. And so it was like they knew that most people knew the story, I think. And so they just added so much spectacle and songs and all these things on top of it because the story is pretty like well known. So it, it was so amazing. Such a great show. I wouldn't say better than the movie because the they're two very different things. But I will say, shout out to whoever wrote, I don't even know who wrote the musical, um, but whoever decided to change uh, in the in the movie, Doc gets shot by terrorists and killed. Right, right. Um, but in the musical, they changed it so that he gets like radiation poisoning from his suit being too small and not fitting him and it rips. Um, so I think good thing that they didn't keep the terrorists shooting Doc for the uh, live action <laughs> musical right it's Might be a little honest, it's a little problematic and it's not like problematic in the sense where it's like we need to talk about the terrorists and back to the future no it's it's fine it's 80s representation but yeah i i think the idea of him getting like radiation poisoning just actually makes a lot more sense yeah I it does when you watch back to the future and the terrorists show up your, your first thought is like what the fuck are these dudes doing here yeah they just pull up in like a volkswagen camper van like nothing yeah. it's like it's so weird it's such a such an odd moment and then he's got like a bazooka too and it's crazy um it's very over the top but yeah and and it's funny too because like back to the future has got some interesting moments um where you're just kind of like oh not the greatest um but i kid you not watching uh on stage you know the moment when marty falls out of the tree instead of his dad and then they bring him inside uh his mom's house and his mom's got this weird crush on him Mm-hmm. It, like you could feel they did a really good job at making you feel how awkward and weird that moment is especially like live on stage and especially when like she has a whole musical number about it and you're like "Ooh, that's his mom that's kind of weird it's very weird yeah i'm glad very you enjoyed odd. it though i'm glad i'm glad the play for it was you know as good as the movie oh yeah it was phenomenal and the craziest part too was at the end of the show um when the car flies away and they say where we're going we don't need roads it goes out over the audience and does like a full barrel roll and it was so insane to see i was like freaking out in my seat um it was phenomenal yeah it sounds like it has like a pretty good production value for it which is oh really yeah cool. that's wicked um i'm jealous i'm extremely jealous i've just been i've just been hanging out just been working and you know what usually i say i've just been watching a lot of movies no no my friend i've been watching a lot of tv whoa um, what a twist what a change in in my uh my daily vibe now i've been watching better call saul i watched daisy jones and the six i fucking love that show i'm gonna see if kelsey wants to come on the podcast and talk about that 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 show because it's just remarkable and i'm watching dave which is Lil dicky's tv show about being a rapper so mm-hmm. just a lot of tv for me um, nice not as cool as london at all but you Sorry. know what? i'm going to montreal at the end of the month so there Little you go. Things. Look, looking forward to that. Yeah. Fun. Um, let's get into Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Yeah. Because 
I feel like there's a lot to be said about this movie. And as we kind of opened up this episode with, we've been very vocal about the fact that Marvel is just diminishing returns for us these days. It's not the Marvel that we fell in love with. And I think that's largely just to decrease in quality all around, decrease in caring about the characters, decrease in visual effects, and really a decrease in the writing quality. Pretty much everything that we fell in love with with these movies has has gone to shit quite quite recently. Yeah. And um I viewed Guardians Galaxy Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three as as my last hope for loving a Marvel movie. I think I was like, if they can't stick the landing with this, if I don't walk out of this theater excited in some way, it doesn't have to be a perfect movie, but if I don't walk out of this theater having enjoyed it, I might be done with Marvel. And thankfully, uh they they may have gotten like another three movies out of out of me with this yeah. one. Because I just thought that this movie was fantastic. Do you want to, what are your thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Just right out of the theater before we get into it on a, on a larger level. Yeah, I'm gonna, I was on a very similar page as you where I was like, if they can't do this, like, ugh, I have very low hopes for them. But I was pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed it. I had a feeling that James Gunn was just going to nail it. And he did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think that this is saving it for me? Eh, not really, because at the same time, great movie, but the end of said franchise. Right. Um, so like it's awesome, but it also there's like nothing more that's gonna come from it. Or maybe, who knows? Um, but uh at the moment, at the time being, like those character stories are done. And so it's I mean, we'll see what Marvel does next, and hopefully it'll be good. Um, I think the next one's uh, Blue Beetle, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, that's DC. That's DC, yeah. Marvel's um, next one is is the Marvels. Yes, right. Which looks um, like a silly, fun time. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm not, and I don't have any high hopes for it, but um, we, we'll see with the future of Marvel, but for right now with Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I loved it. It was an amazing movie and I had such a fun time. And after watching it, I was like, I kind of want to watch all the Guardians of the Galaxy movies again. Same. Um, which I didn't, I haven't done yet, but I probably will. Mm-hmm. At least the I first think one. Yeah, I think I'm going to watch one, two, and three once three comes out at home, just in like a, in a marathon and just see, because mm-hmm. apparently a lot of people are saying like these, these movies actually come together very well. We've just it's been spaced out over a decade. So it's hard to remember all these pieces and foundations they've laid throughout. But yeah, I'm on a similar level with you. I walked out of this theater. I think I might, and I don't want to speak for your opinion on it, but I think I might've liked it a little bit more than you because I walked out of this theater and I, I had cried. I had like smiled my whole face, just big smiles taken over my whole body at times. Like I really, really love guardians of the galaxy volume three. I find it interesting too, because there's people throwing around the conversation point of like, did Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 just save Marvel? And that's an interesting question, but a much more complicated debate than like yes or no. Because like you had mentioned, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is the ending of these characters. It's the ending of James Gunn's time with Marvel, like permanently. He is about to, you know, as we've mentioned on this pod, he's about to take over DC and he's headed in a completely different direction with his uh, with his career. And on top of that, this movie has nothing to do with the current version of Marvel. Like, all yeah, the, it's just nothing for the like the overall story. No multiverse stuff, no Kang stuff. It's really just its own individual story that is bidding farewell to these fantastic, wonderful characters we love so much. And so the the question of has Guardians saved Marvel? I don't think it has, actually. I think James Gunn was like, 
one more adrenaline. It's like giving a dying person a shot of adrenaline. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because, yes, this movie rocks, but it's also, like, it's the end of, like, James Gunn and, and the Guardians, and Marvel's about to just return to the version of Marvel that we don't like anymore, I think, with yeah. its next few projects. Um, so I don't personally think that Guardians 3 saved Marvel, but I do think it reminded people what is so fun about Marvel, and hopefully has reminded the higher executives and the studio people at Marvel, like, what people actually care about, because... I remember seeing Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania and my theater was like dead. Like the theater was so bored and that's not what these movies used to be like. They used to be like these big pop culture phenomenon events where everybody would gather together and cheer and laugh and cry together. And that's what Guardians 3 is. It really did remind mm -hmm. me of like when heart and passion is leading these movies, they're pretty damn good. Um, that being said, I don't, I don't think that it's going to be like the end all be all fix for, for the MCU. Yeah. Sadly, I think this is less of uh, I don't think this movie is going to save Marvel. I think it gives me a lot of high hopes for what DC has got to, got to offer. <laughs> right. Um, which I don't think is what Marvel wants at all. But for me, that's what I kind of see. I see James Gunn uh, having just such an amazing time with these characters for one last time um, before he starts something new and exciting. And, some of the best or one of the best DC movies, in my opinion, um, in recent years was the Suicide Squad that was done by James Gunn. Like that was amazing. Um, and so I honestly, it doesn't give me hopes for Marvel. It gives me hopes for DC. Yeah, which is you're right. The last thing that Marvel wants. But that's exactly how I felt walking into that theater, too, was like, I don't know where Marvel's headed, but I know DC is very much headed in a, in a good direction after. Yeah, if they've got James done. Gunn. Pfft easy james gunn hasn't made a bad comic book movie i think every single one he's done has been pretty fantastic i just feel like james gunn understands what these movies need to be he's not trying to make like millions of dollars off this stuff he is genuinely trying to create stories that he cares about like i read an interview that they had with him about this movie um like he's talking about how much he loves these characters, how much he can relate to rocket, like how much um, he was happy to give all these characters a good ending. Like he genuinely cares about his characters. He doesn't care about the bottom line of whether the movie's going to make money. Um, and so I think that's what a lot of these things are missing. And what I'm excited to see for like DC in the future, see if he brings that same love and care for these characters into these other movies too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree. Um, before we like get into the plot of the movie and everything about the movie itself, what is your relationship with the Guardians of the Galaxy? Because for me, uh, they're probably my favorite bunch of characters in Marvel, aside from like Spider-Man, to be honest with you. So I'm curious, like, how much do you love the Guardians? I'm the exact same way. I love yeah. I love the uh, I'm a sucker for the ragtag group of misfits that save the day. Like mm -hmm. it's it's the trope that gets me every single time. Um, I played the Guardians of the Galaxy video game, which was so good. And if you haven't played it, definitely play it. It's worth the play. I, um, I agree. That game did not get talked about enough. It is fucking awesome. Like a lot of great. fun. I'm honestly probably going to replay it um, now that I've watched uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I just, I love the crew. And I think they're such a dynamic group of uh, characters that really just, blend together so well even though they feel like they shouldn't but they do and it's it's amazing i really do love them 
Yeah, me too. Um, I, w- you know, I would also agree that they might be... Uh, actually, I think they probably are my favorite characters in the MCU. Like, Ant-Man's close. People hate on Ant-Man. I love Ant-Man. Uh, mm-hmm. Same with Spider-Man. Uh, and Doctor Strange, too. I think Doctor Strange is really cool. Yeah. Um, but I think Guardians are definitely, like, top of my list, the best. When I saw them, like, interacting with... Uh, when I saw, like, Peter Quill interacting with Tony Stark... Uh, in like those moments in Endgame and Infinity War, I was like, "Yes, this is so good. This is what I wanted for so long." It's they've just got some of the the funniest moments. Like Marvel's kind of become known now for their signature style of humor that is just extremely ineffective and unfunny. And the Guardians have never succumbed to that. They've always been like like actually funny. Anytime that they're cracking jokes, it's like laugh out loud moments for me. Um, I think of like I can't remember the exact. N- thing that it's called but i remember quill in one scene is just like we need to get like the the borgatron engine or something and then drax is just like i believe you mean the harbulator engine and then quill's just like no that's not what it's called (laughs) and there's just a lot of really funny like stupid moments with those characters that just really stand out in my mind and that i constantly find myself going back to yeah, um, I'll never forget the uh, I, uh, rocket going, I need that guy's leg. And then him getting the leg and be like, I just thought it'd be funny. And then it's just a recurring joke that he's just like, I'm going to get that leg. Or, I'm or gonna I, get like, that I need that eye or like whatever. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. I just think that they all shine in their own way. They all have such a distinct sense of humor, which is, I think, why they work so well. It's not like a one note, all of them making the same types of jokes. They all lean into different styles of comedy. And that is accredited to James Gunn. He's a very skilled writer. Um, and I just think that they're so funny and so like charismatic and I could talk about the group itself for so long, but yeah, let's, let's get into, into the movie because this movie kicks off and pretty immediately sets like a tone that I don't think a lot of Marvel movies have, which is like, this movie's really heavy, like really emotionally heavy. It's very funny at times as well, but this whole plot revolves around, you know, rocket and his tortured past and this, uh, guy called the high evolutionary and his attempts at finding and killing rocket so that he can retrieve information from him. And it sets up this really interesting plot and MCU these days is so focused on like, it's the end of the world. And I think that this story is so much more effective and so much more grounded because it's the end of the world for the guardians. Like if they don't save their friend, that's, that's everything. It's all over. And it's not some world closing in on itself plot. It's like, we just need to save our friend's life. And I think that that, lends an emotional weight to it, but also just like when we love the group as much as we do, it lends a huge punch of like the stakes could not be higher despite the fact that they're relatively low, you know? I, yeah, I think that's a big thing for this movie that really like sets it apart. Like you were saying, most Marvel movies we see these days is like the world's going to end. This bad guy's doing this thing. Somebody has got to stop him. And I think that's, a huge reason why so many people feel that Marvel burnout, that superhero burnout. It's like, you know, at the end of the the day, they're going to save the day, but everyone knew this was the last guardians movie. So seeing rocket get injured in the beginning and then like being like, Oh shit, we have to save him or he might die. Mm -hmm. It made everyone like feel that pressure because he very much could die. This is the last movie. Um, So I think that having that stake, which doesn't feel as, big as saving the world um definitely makes it more personal for the audience and the characters too Mm -hmm. yeah i completely agree like 
I think I think a very strong moment is when you like at the beginning of the movie we see Quill is like a drunk. He's literally just like drowning his tears for Gamora in his drinks. And the second he finds out Rocket is injured, he like snaps out of it. He's up. He's there. Like he's helping. And so I think it's so huge to have that more personal um, emergency. And sure, eventually they are like, oh, we got to save all these people and stop the big bad guy. But it stems from a very personal reason for one of the characters. So I think it's really good. Agreed. Uh, I've heard criticisms towards the way they just shrug off Quill's alcoholism, and I'm like, he, he has a friend to save. I think, you know, him him drinking all the time was because he was drowning his pain, but when he has to, like, literally get his shit together to save his best friend, like, of course he's going to, you know? Yeah, I think um, a big reason with that, too, is, yeah, sure, he he's probably still a bit of an alcoholic, um, but the reason why he's been an alcoholic is because he's been losing so many people and so the fear of losing another person uh, is, I think, great character motivation to immediately snap him out of it and be like, you fucking idiot, stop doing that. We got to get to work now. Yeah. Um, and so I think I I understand the criticism because it did get blown over really fast. Um, but I think at the same time, it makes sense to me. Yeah, agreed. You get that opening scene with the acoustic version of Creep playing. Oh, so good. Like, Amazing. unbelievably good. I felt so bad because I went and watched it with uh, our friend Cole, who's been on the podcast a couple of times, and he waited in line to get uh, food, and I went in and saw... He missed the very beginning, that whole creep sequence, and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, man. Like, I bet he was getting a hot dog. He was. You got yeah, two of, of them. Of course he was. Yeah, of course he was. <laughs> <laughs> he needed supper. He needed some food. It's, it's he fair. Missed, he missed such a marvelous scene for that hot dog, but yeah. I respect it. Um, yeah, and James Gunn has talked a lot about how his intention with this movie was to shift away from Star-Lord a little bit as the lead character and make Rocket the lead character. And that opening scene does a great job establishing that pretty quickly because you're seeing Rocket's perspective on all these other characters around him rather than, you know, like all the Guardians getting the focus. Kind of part two opens with that Mr. Blue Sky number with Groot and you're seeing all the Guardians doing something, but this one's just kind of Rocket just kind of solemnly walking. And I think it's very good at setting up what this movie's tone will end up being. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the biggest criticism. And the one criticism I'll actually agree with about this movie, which is how fast it gets moving. Um, Do you think this movie kickstarts a little too fast? Do you think they could have lingered on nowhere for a little bit? Yeah, I think we definitely could have lingered on nowhere. Um, I think that what this movie does is it essentially like I think the reason why it kicks off so fast is it because it assumes the general audience has probably seen the holiday special that got right. made. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's almost like we're picking up pretty quick right from there cuz uh what's his name Craglin the guy who now has the arrow um he's still in his uh christmas pajamas. Like this could very much be the next day. Uh, or a couple days afterwards. And so I think that's what it assumes. And so it picks up really quick because uh, most people who have seen that would understand like where they are, what's happening now, how things are a little different. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it picks up a little too fast. I would have loved to sat in the uh, in nowhere a bit longer, uh, seen the Guardian's new head office a bit more. And what it looks like now that they've got like the sign outside and everything. 
Um, I would have loved to see that a bit more, but yeah, it does pick up very quick. I, I agree that it moves so quick, but like you had said, the holiday special actually gives you a lot of chill downtime on nowhere and has that light bubbly tone before diving into the dark of this story, which is what the story is about. And so I think getting moving on it very quickly, assuming that you've seen the holiday special, it makes a lot of sense for me. Yeah. And, and I mean, I'm pretty sure most people have probably seen the holiday special if they were going to see uh, this new one. So, right. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about Adam Warlock. Don't so be good. rash. Um, so yeah, volume two has this post credit scene that sets up Adam Warlock, who is a very uh, beloved and famous character from Marvel Comics. Uh, he is essentially, I don't know, like Hercules and Superman, if they were mixed together, you know? Um, Isn't he? Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah I think that's you know, a good like, description. Yeah, he's he's kind of, he fits all the tropes of what Superman is, but he's also personality wise he's very different yeah um and they set him up at the ending of volume two and i think a lot of people thought for years while we were waiting for guardians 3 which took a lot longer than originally planned due to them firing james gunn and then rehiring james gunn and all the nonsense and then covid um everybody thought adam warlock would be the main focus of this movie and and he is not in fact he is not the focus at all of this movie that being said i did think he was fun here and i liked will poulter's portrayal of him he's introduced almost immediately as we had mentioned he just shows up he attacks rocket and he kind of jump starts the plot for the entire movie because he's been sent by the high evolutionary to to find rocket what did you what did you think of not only just the writing for the character of adam warlock but the portrayal by will poulter i think the portrayal was pretty funny and like pretty good i think the writing was a little lacking for me I don't know why he didn't say more words, you know, mm -hmm. like I think one of the big things that everyone thinks of when they think of uh, Adam Warlock, if you know, if you've played the gardens of the galaxy game, you know that he's in that game. And in that game, he's actually like very rhymey and it's kind of like a weird gimmick that he's got going on. Um, but he's a very well worded uh, individual. And in this movie, we do get told that he, uh, the high evolutionary essentially pulled him out of, his, out of his cocoon too quick. And so it's a younger version of him. Um, but I don't know why in that entire fight sequence, that entire time that he is fighting the guardians, he doesn't say a word other than like when he gets stabbed and he goes, ow, that hurts. Yeah. Um, it's like, why doesn't he just be like, I'm here on the high evolutionary to get you just to like set it up. It very much could have easily been, uh, in that sense or whatever. But he just kind of doesn't say anything and hangs out. And I mean, uh, I guess it's kind of fitting for a godlike character who uh, isn't really like fully there yet. Um, but at the same time, I'm just like, I don't know, say some more stuff, man. Uh, yeah. Speak a couple more words. So I did, I did like his portrayal and I thought that he was funny at times. Um, but I do feel like he is almost... It's almost like they had set this up or James Gunn had set this up. And then after, since it took so long to make the movie, he was like, you know what? Let's change it a little bit, but I guess we kind of got to keep this guy. So, yeah. right. um, which I mean, makes sense. He is a, a common character in the guardians. And I believe in the comic books, he does actually join the guardians at one point. He does, um, yeah. 
but yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was a good performance and a good portrayal, but I feel like the writing was a little, just a little lacking for his character, you know? Yeah, and I do I do agree. I think Will Poulter makes a lot out of a little. I think yeah. Adam Warlock is like really entertaining, and I know people who love that character in the comic are a little bit burned by this version of the character. James Gunn has talked a little bit about how his intention with Adam Warlock in this movie was because he was pulled out of the cocoon early by the High Evolutionary um, to make him a baby. He said quite literally, I wanted him to, to talk, to act, to behave like a superpowered baby. And so that's why he's so childish and so stupid and really, like, again, going to what you said, so quiet, right? He, he hasn't really learned all these words yet. He doesn't really know what to say or what to do. Very um, true. He's just, been, he's just been tasked with this big universe task and he just has no idea how to do it, um, which I thought was quite funny. And I think it's actually pretty effective Marvel humor. It's a little bit like what they did with MODOK, except actually kind of effective here. And true. And when I, when I say like a little bit like what they did with MODOK, I mean taking a character that's like widely known and just kind of shrugging him off in the movie. Um, but I thought Will Poulter was like pretty good and with what he was given to do here. And Adam Warlock, you know, this is the end of the Guardians, but I do think we'll see more of Adam Warlock. Um, James Gunn said his goal here was to set him up. It's not like the only time we'll see him. I think we'll get more of him, whether it's in another movie, whether he comes into the Avengers or something. Um, we'll, we'll find out, but... I thought he was effective for what his character's role in the movie was, which is really to kickstart the plot and then kind of show up at random intervals throughout the plot. Very true. He he yeah. does indeed do that. Yeah. He's, I don't know, he's a funny He's a funny guy. All the memes popping up about Adam Warlock are, are really funny to me. The, the one thing I cannot get past is the way he flies through space. It's so stupid. Why is he so <laughs> handsome with it? Why is he no, flying like that? Not so handsome with it. Why does, like, why... Is he just so still? Like he does not move his body at all. It just <laughs> looks like it really does look like he is laying on a plank on a green screen, and they were just like, "Yeah, just sit there for a couple minutes." Yeah, and he's just like, "Cool." Yeah, Nothing. that's true. Um, I wanted to pick your brain really quickly on something I was thinking about Adam Warlock in particular, and a lot of the character designs in this movie, which is Marvel movies. I've I've been the biggest critic. Uh, critic of this recently is just saying like these movies look really bad like the CGI has gotten really bad and I wanted to ask your thoughts on this James Gunn makes this movie look really good that being said there's some very comic booky stupid character designs here I mean Adam Warlock is like literally just a gold dude and I don't think it looks bad in the sense of like what I'm always harping on these Marvel movies for which is like terrible CGI I think it looks purposefully comic booky so I was curious about your thoughts on some of the designs of the planets and some of the designs of Adam Warlock as a character, because a lot of it's very goofy and silly and comic booky, but not like in a way where it looks like bad Marvel movie. So I'm curious, like, did you feel like the CGI was drastically improved despite the silliness of some character designs here? Yeah, I, I think the CGI was definitely improved. And I think the silliness too just kind of comes with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, right. they're a group who like we're in space. So there's so many different things that James Gunn can just like kind of have fun with. Like, for example, the Orgo Corp soldiers, like those outfits make them look like, uh, the freaking caterpillar from it's a bug's life. Like it, it's so weird. Um, but at the same time, like 
the Guardians wear such weird clothing and take themselves so seriously. And so it kind of makes sense that the rest of the universe is in a similar sense. Um, I, I think it's really it's really funny. And yeah, I do think that um, I do agree that Adam Warlock looks a bit more comic booky, which I think is probably intentional to make him seem a little more stupid and uh, not fully ready for the world. Um, but I, I kind of like it, to be honest. And I think the CGI, too, in this is really good. Really good. Um, if compared to other Marvel stuff, I don't know why, um, but because because James Gunn cares, you know, like that's that's the difference. I really do think that's the difference. He actually like, I heard he storyboarded this. The fact that Marvel movies aren't storyboarding themselves wow. anymore is nuts. But yeah, James Gunn like really stor- storyboarded like every shot, so he planned it out. And a lot of the time with these movies recently, you just feel like you're in like unspecified area number three you know yeah you're in like a random downtown of unspecified city right but like somewhere in the states you really do feel like you're in these places and that's like a real testament to like how much he cares and how much of an eye he has for like plotting and planning these things out um but yeah i don't i found myself thinking that it's just like these these characters have very like 70s star wars designs Mm -hmm. which to me is like really awesome i find that really cool to see yes they're silly looking but they're silly looking in like a, a sci-fi fun way, not in like a, a terrible Marvel movie way. Yeah, it's like, yes, they're silly looking, but we're talking about people who travel through space and one of them is a tree. Um, yeah. So yeah. I think it's fine. I agree. Um, let's talk about, because I had mentioned it, but let's talk about the emotion and the the mm. weight of this movie because this movie's pretty dark. And then the Guardians movies have always leaned a little bit darker than some of the other Marvel movies, you know, like the one of the main plot lines in part two is that Quill's dad gave his mom cancer. Like, that's, yeah. that's, that's dark. These movies are a little bit darker than your average Marvel movie. Um, but this movie is is real heavy, like grown adults struggling to get through scenes of this movie. And I found myself thinking, like I looked around, I saw some kids in our theater and I was just like, how are they getting through this movie? Because like there's some upsetting shit in this movie. Oh my goodness. In my theater, there was like a small child that was a couple rows back from me, but I could hear them talking throughout the movie. They must've been like maybe five or six and they fully watched like some of the most intense stuff in this movie. I think is the like animal abuse that they don't necessarily like show. Um, but you kind of like, for example, that moment when they're accessing like the data, uh, that's on rocket and watching like, or the data that they get, uh, for rocket to help save them. Um, and they're watching like the experiments they did on him. Like just hearing that is very intense for like humans and adults, but for kids who like, that's, I feel like parents were like, oh, fun Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And it's like, no, uh, this is actually gut-wrenching. And shout out to James Gunn. There's no uh, better way to make your villain hated than them like animal cruelty, anything like that. Everyone immediately hates that person. It's it's on site. It's universal. Yeah. And so uh, like having that be the big thing for this villain i was like fuck this guy get him out of here and it was great yeah um i i completely agree i think having 
having you see, and it's not just the stuff with Rocket too. It's like the stuff in like those those capsules where he's like growing and like mutating these animals. Like it's like it's some real body horror stuff, and it's like really unsettling at times. And you can tell he just like he pushed that PG thirteen with this movie, and he was like, let's see how far we can get before Marvel tells me to stop. Mm-hmm. And he, and he did get to some pretty dark places with with the with the outcome of this movie because all the stuff with Rocket and uh, Lila and Teefs and Floor, it's essential because it, it establishes why Rocket is the way he is so clearly. It really makes you like understand this character on a deep level, but it also makes you want to watch that villain die. Like you just spend that whole yeah. movie like, I hate this dude. And I think it's um, really, really well done. I know PETA has pra- praised this movie as like um, the best movie representing animal cruelty and like why it's bad like in like years and i was like yeah like honestly it's crazy that our marvel movie went this far but but they do it and yeah i just i couldn't imagine being like six or you know five or six and seeing some of the stuff that they show in this movie because it's pretty miserable at times or Um, even like very effective though yeah very effective um or even like just seeing um like for me i one scene that i vividly remember is watching like when uh, Rocket and all his friends are playing tag in the cage. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this is so cute. And then I remember, and I'm like, oh, there's more to this movie. And I know where this goes. I'm like, oh, this is actually horribly sad. <laughs> yeah. Disguise is a very cute moment. Even the quote that I opened this episode off with, uh, we'll all fly away together one last time into the forever and beautiful sky. That's like a callback to something he says when he's with them. And it's just like, it hurts so bad. Those moments are are really effective and you really do feel Rocket's pain. Um, Yeah, let's actually talk about Teef's floor, Lila, and then the high evolutionary for for a couple minutes. Mm -hmm. What did you think of of all the the little sweet moments we get, which you had just mentioned? Uh, So cute. So nice. Um, Like, it's... There's something about taking horrifying like depictions of people or animals or whatever and making them cute um that i just kind of kind of love for a weird reason like the fact that um one of the animals is like a bunny rabbit that has no legs anymore and now looks like a spider with no mouth and like a robotic clamped uh mouthpiece but is like super cute and delightful there's just i don't know there's something about it or like the otter who has no arms lila who has no arms but like robo arms um and the way she's just so kind and nice uh like all these characters are very lovable but just like rocket there is something different about them like something that the high evolutionary has done to them that they will never go back from but these little moments of just like happiness are the things that are keeping them going, honestly. So it's just so cute to see. Um, and like I, as uh, somebody who doesn't really read comics, but knows a bit of extra uh, tidbits here and there, I, kn- I knew of Lila. Like I knew that Rocket had uh, a friend beforehand that had died, but I didn't know about Teeth and, or Teeths and Floor. Uh, so it was super cool to see them there and know that Rocket had a couple more friends. Uh, very sad the way that, that it turns out. But um, yeah, very cute. 
Mm -hmm. They are, I find it so interesting what he does with these characters because visually they are not cute. Like the first time you see. Yeah. um, Visually they're kind of terrifying. Yeah. Like it reminded me a lot of um, the toys that Sid fucks with in Toy Story in the first Mm -hmm. movie because like they're these, you know, sweet creatures, but like they're so kind of horrifying to look at. I mean, like, Teefs is like his eyes are being like held open by like, like stitching. It's like, it's like visually, it's like kind of horrifying. Um, but they're such sweet creatures in the way that they take Rocket in and kind of comfort him, especially Lila. I found so emotionally effective and it really makes you like love these little creatures, despite the fact that, you know, they've been through so much horrible stuff. And the worst part is their op, the worst part is their optimism. Like they're so, they really believe that the high evolutionary, like, is going to do good things for them. And that's like yeah. the saddest part. Um, I think, I think about that quote when rocket is, is fucking up the high evolutionary at that one moment after Lila is tragically killed um, where Flora, Flora is just repeating over and over. She's like rocket teeth's floor go now. And I'm like, Oh man, yeah, it's so tough watching a question for you watching um, those kind scenes and like all this stuff. Did it make you hate the high evolutionary even more? And did you feel more satisfaction? Um, where in that flashback, Rocket like scratches his face up or whatever. Yeah, I found myself hating him more and more and more as the movie went on. Because at first you're like, this dude sucks, but like maybe I can I can kinda understand his like ideologies. But I find it so interesting. And I had mentioned this uh, when I was on the guy at the movies podcast, just briefly talking about Guardians. I had mentioned that it's just really cool to have a villain that's like not deep. He's not complex. He just sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, like this dude is just evil. And I find that refreshing after Marvel spent like multiple movies being like, but here's why he thinks the way he does. And the high evolutionary, like, I don't care why he thinks the way he does. He is a monster. And yeah. it, the, the, the particular moment where I just was like, I want to see this dude die is when rocket is sobbing after he kills lila and the high evolutionary starts mocking him and he starts like mimicking his sobbing he's just like wah wah i was like oh kill him just kill him um so yeah i i do think that i just it made me hate him a lot more yeah a crazy thing i didn't even realize was the fact that he's got the new face because rocket like destroyed his old one decimated it i know yeah i didn't even it didn't even click until it didn't click until like flashback yeah um so crazy yeah he he really mangles his face there and i like that they don't let you see it until the very ending of the movie i think that that's really effective because you spend the entire movie just like how much damage did rocket actually give him yeah it's quite a bit yeah it's quite a bit um let's talk a little bit about the guardians and their character arcs who do you think i mean obviously Rocket has an amazing character arc here, uh, and we can we can expand upon it. But who do you think gets the biggest spotlight, and who do you think character arcs shine the most for you in this movie? Uh, Rocket is definitely front and center. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, Rocket's definitely front and center, and then like Star Lord probably comes after that. Yes, he's not the main character in this one, but we still he's got a lot of unresolved issues with Gamora. Um, and where he's taking the Guardians now and all this stuff. Um, but yeah, I definitely think Rocket shines the most for me. Uh, and then Star-Lord kind of is right after that. Gamora definitely has a very interesting storyline as well uh, that I really did enjoy. Um, but yeah, definitely Rocket was main front and center for me. 
Agree. Um, you know, it's really crazy that Marvel has, or James Gunn, not Marvel. I'm not going to give Marvel the credit for James Gunn's genius. Don't. But um, I think it's really remarkable that James Gunn has made a raccoon have a character arc that is on par with like Tony Stark. You know, yeah. like I actually think that Rocket might have like the most satisfying character arc in the MCU aside from like Tony himself. Um, it is just like a real full circle moment at the ending of that movie when he says the name is Rocket, Rocket Raccoon. I was like, this should be stupid, but it's not. It's like really effective. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree that he has the best arc because you really just see him go from this bitter, resentful and confused to why he's still alive. He, he like he has the survivor's guilt of like I don't understand why I'm worthy of still being here when all my friends have died. Like I'm just a little monster who was ripped apart over and over. You can really feel and it makes those lines from Guardians 1 hit a lot harder. Um yeah. When he when he gets drunk and he freaks out at them all at the bar, it's because the high evolutionary spent years telling him that. Like he really rewired his brain into thinking all he was was just this little mutant creature that doesn't deserve to to have a life or to be happy. He's just part of, of a process. And by the ending of the movie, he realizes not only does he deserve to be here, but that he's a fantastic leader. And oh, it's just, it's just great stuff. Um, I'm curious of your thoughts about the star Lord and Gamora stuff, because James Gunn had different intentions for Gamora, but the Russo brothers made the decision in infinity war to kill Gamora. And, you know, she comes back in Endgame, but it's the 2014 timeline version of her who never met the Guardians. And that's the Gamora we spend most of the time with in this movie. And he he did he did something pretty impressive, which is make that character have a satisfying arc, despite the fact that it's not really the character that we spent the first two movies with. So I was curious about your thoughts on how they how they wrap up Quill and Gamora's relationship. I think it's great. I think it's less of that um it's Gamora's arc and it's more of Peter's arc that helps give Gamora an arc. Um, Cause uh, Mantis has a line that I remember very vividly of like that. Peter has been jumping from girl to girl uh, or the lily pad analogy, or is it jumping from lily pad to lily pad, but he needs to learn how to swim, uh, which is very true. We open the first guardians of the galaxy movie with Quill, uh, like on this mission, uh, but he is like sleeping with a girl on his ship. Uh, and then the only reason why he gets distracted after bringing the gem back is because he sees a pretty girl, Gamora, um, and he sticks with her. And so I think it's really fitting to have Peter's character be like, um, to feel the need to like, ah, I want this back. I want this back. Uh, and it totally makes sense. But for Gamora's character to be like, I'm not that person. Like, I looked at that person, I'm not that person. Um, and it kind of uh, gives gives Gamora's character, I think, a little hope, too, because, like, she got done so dirty um, in Infinity War. Uh, and so it's nice to see that her, even if it's not the same version of her, uh, can have a family and a life and uh, be doing things she actually enjoys and not under the rule of Thanos all the time. And so it, it's nice for her character, even though it's not the same character, but it's almost like the past Gamora lives vicariously through this one. Yeah. Um, and it, it really, I do think a lot of her uh, arc is a lot of Peter just coming to terms with who he is and what is happening now. And um, so I, I think that both the arcs work really well together. And I don't think either one 
could have worked without the other. Um, but yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I think Gamora, the version of her that we have in this movie, like you said, it's a completely different character. And I like that they didn't feel the need to be like, and then they fall in love again and they make it all work. I like that this is a story about uh, Star-Lord finding his closure, understanding that the Gamora he loved, he they loved each other and she's gone. And that he can't, you know, this is the same person, but it's also not. And you can't just be like, well, I loved you, so why don't we just love each other and make it work? That's really not how it wo- how love works. I think um, there's like a there's like a huge thing that a lot of people experience in relationships where they uh, like. I think everyone has a type, you know. But I think there are definitely people who, when they fall in love with someone who looks like a past lover or like somebody in their life that has given them that kind of love, they kind of expect the same thing, uh, which right. is not true at all. It's a different person. Um, and so I think it's super interesting that in this, we see that like very blatantly that Quill just wants the same thing, but this is not the same person. Yeah. Um, and I think it's very relatable for a lot of people too, to, um, or even like the idea of uh, when people are like, Ah, uh, I had this person in high school that I used to like there used to be something. And so the idea that if you just went back to them, that connection would be there again, it'd be the same. It's like, no, things change. Time passes, people, people move on, people are different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's something a lot of people can relate to, regardless of their experience. I don't think many people have had someone they love die and then a past version of them come to the present time. Uh, but I think there's some similarities in there. Yeah. And I think it's really cool too, how you can see Gamora understanding how much these people loved her, even though she doesn't know them and, and love them the same way that the other Gamora did. And so there's like the scenes where she like saves rocket and she takes care of him. The scenes where she takes that picture for Quill and she's like, this fell out of your bag. Like she, she understands how much she means to these people, even though she can't like tap into the same feeling. Um, and I, I had mentioned at the beginning of the episode that this movie made me cry. There's two moments that made me cry. The the first one is the one with Rocket talking to Lila in the almost like afterlife type scene, which I thought was extremely powerful. But mm-hmm. the other one was was when Star Lord and Gamora talk at the ending of the movie, and and she says, "I'm not who you think I am, and I'm not who you remember I am." And he's like, "I know, but this version of you is not so bad either." And then she goes to walk away, and she says, "I bet we were fun." Whew. That brought yeah. that brought the mm. waterworks, man. For me, I was like, I wasn't sobbing, but I was like, definitely emotional from it. Yeah, and uh, it's cool to say that one of these Marvel movies got me emotional again. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do want to shine a spotlight on the other members of the of the Guardians because we've been talking so much about Star Lord, Gamora, Rocket, and that is who this movie is largely about. But I, I thought Palm Clementoff really stood out as Mantis in this one, like really made that character her own in a way that she hasn't in any of her other appearances. Um, really liked her in this. I thought she was extremely funny, but also like extremely sweet and played a lot, like a big part in like Quill's understanding of moving forward. Uh, of course, Dave Batista as Drax is great, but also wanted to give mm-hmm. a shout out to Karen Gillian as, uh, as Nebula, a character who quite honestly, I couldn't have gave a fuck about in all of her previous appearances in in marvel like i she was just she was there and i was like cool nebula um i think she really becomes a member of the guardians in this in this movie and i think her character arc too of like not people can't be everything she needs and expects them to be because she thinks she can get everything done better on her own 
um, but she needs she needs the team, and I think that really everyone kind of has a pretty satisfactory arc here. Even Craglin, you know, like a side character, yeah. has like a pretty cool moment with with seeing Yondu, um, and I was like, that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. What, what yeah, did they, you think of they all do the a really other good members? job. Yeah, I think they do a really good job at just kind of wrapping their stories up. Um, mm-hmm. I don't to not I don't want to jump right to the end, um, but I really do think that uh, having Drax not be the destroyer, but actually a father, like an amazing father, um, pretty good is such a huge part uh, and a very important thing. I think Nebula deciding to like kind of become the head of nowhere and just kind of uh, being their mayor, I guess, or president or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's super cool because it goes from her constantly being ruled over to her being the ruler. And she understands now that she can help people and she can, uh, there are people who are actually care about her. Um, and having Mantis knowing that um, she needs to find herself and she needs to figure out who she is because all she does is live vicarious emotions through everyone else um, is super like interesting and a very, something I did not think about um, until it got mentioned in the movie. Uh, and so I think all the characters, and I mean, Groot's Groot, you know, he's there. Uh, and he's just there for a good time. Buff but, Groot is a pretty violent dude. Buff Groot's a v- pretty violent dude, but I will say, um, I think there is such like a mind-blowing thing to me um, that I love about this movie, and it is at the end, and I want to talk about it right now because we're talking about all the characters. Groot, yeah. I never understood why we couldn't understand Groot and how everyone could, everyone else could. Um, I think... In this movie, James Gunn is trying to make a point, and I could be totally wrong here. It's so far off. Um, but I it comes from the moment where Groot and Gamora interact at the very end of the movie, and Gamora finally understands who he is. Uh, or finally understands him and what he's saying. Uh, and at the end of the movie, we too hear Groot say, I love you guys, and not I am Groot. And I can't remember if I read this in the interview with James Gunn or if this is just uh, something I thought of uh, in the theater. It's almost like James Gunn said to us, you're a guardian now because you can understand Groot. Like that is kind of the thing that means you have this connection with Groot is you can understand him because Gamora gets it at the very end. And so Mm -hmm. I almost like love it. Like the fact that maybe that's what he's saying. Maybe it isn't. Who knows? But James Gunn being like, now you get to understand Groot at the very end is so awesome. I love it. You are correct about that theory. James Gunn has confirmed on Twitter that that what what Uh, it was. was... It's probably something I read in the interview then. But yeah, Yeah. very cool. Yeah, it's it's awesome because you you spend so long with him and you never understand him. And it's basically just to say – like you had mentioned, you are a guardian now. Like you, like you've spent so long with these characters, you can hear you can hear Groot, you can tell what he means, and yeah, it's a, a really great moment. Yeah, amazing. Um, okay, so I'm curious, actually, really quickly before we I ask some more questions, I just need to mention the hallway scene set to the Beastie Boys. Oh, oh, oh man! People no. always said sleep till Brooklyn. Yes, sir. People always said uh, Daredevil had the greatest hallway scene ever. And to that I say, okay, yes, yes. It is a phenomenal hallway scene. But this is like, 
this is maybe my favorite action moment in a Marvel movie, like, period. Like, I thought it was just magnetic. It was so exciting to watch. The soundtrack was was propulsive. The way you can distinctly see what each member of the team is doing at all times, and you can, like, I'd love to just rewatch this scene once it's available on YouTube because you can just track anyone, and they're all just doing something cool. Yeah. And it is a long scene of them just kicking ass, and it is, like, Dude, it's just so cool. And I just, I needed to just give it a moment on here and just talk about how excited I was in the theater watching it. Cause first off, love the Beastie Boys. Second off, um, I love good action in the Marvel, in Marvel movies, which is something most of these new movies have just been lacking for quite some time. Uh, and I like that this movie doesn't, like, it's not focused on being like this big action movie. Yes, there's some big action set pieces that are really effective, but it spends a lot of just downtime with the characters. And to that I say, please just do this more. It doesn't need to be like a constant like, whoa, something's exploding and their powers are coming out of their fists. And It's just cool when you get moments between because it makes action moments like these punch so much harder. Yeah, I fully agree. Uh, One thing that we haven't mentioned yet is the soundtrack, and it is incredible, especially in this moment. Uh, Another song that is such a good moment is the We Care A Lot song. I have been listening to that song so much imagining myself walking down a hallway as guardian uh with like we care a lot in the background it's so good um mm-hmm. there's a really this is so off topic but this is a real there's a really funny line in that song um that's uh it goes like uh we care a lot about the garbage pale kids because they don't lie we care a lot about transformers because there's more than meets the eye i just think it's so good it's like such a good line um but yeah this hallway scene incredible uh all the music in this movie incredible um yeah highly recommend listening to this soundtrack and spotify now has all three soundtracks put together into one massive playlist the official Um, mixtape yeah yeah so definitely check that out it is got some bangers on there what is uh what's your favorite awesome mix out of all the guardians movies it's got to be the first one. Like this third one mm. is really good and I'm loving a lot of the songs off it, but I could listen to the first one. I, I remember there was a summer um, that I had uh, when I had Apple music and not Spotify, I had the entire guardians playlist. I had to make it because they didn't have it on there. Um, so I like downloaded each song individually and made my own uh awesome mix number one and i like listen to it so much i think the first one is just like come and get your love undeniably an amazing song um uh what's the another song i think brandy's off of that one too which is another great song there's yeah, you just have um wham bam shangalangs on there Ain't yeah high enough is on there there's so many good ones um so the first one is definitely my favorite but this third one i have been bumping like endlessly i have been playing some of the songs on repeat so yeah same i think good. the first one is my favorite i have the first awesome mix on vinyl probably gonna spin it for a little bit after we're done recording here i um, swear if they release like a or maybe it already exists they've if like an awesome mix volume one two and three on cassettes oh i'll be buying all the cassettes listening to it in my walkman all the time yeah like that would be crazy It'd be pretty cool. Uh, I would love to get that on vinyl as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite is is still number one, but number two is or number three is a is a close close second behind number one. I mean, you get like 
since you've been gone, crazy on you in the meantime by Space Hog. Um, it's just a, a really good soundtrack. And we'll talk about this moment now because I think now is a fitting time to talk about it. The Dog Days Are Over needle drop oh. is, is like, I know I keep saying this. It's an all-timer Marvel moment for me. Yeah, it's incredible. It is, it is so perfectly overly sentimental. And I say that in a good way. I love over, overly sentimental stuff. It's just like the way that this movie, the way that the Guardians movies end on a dance number with all the characters mm-hmm. is so good. It's so it's fitting awesome. for these characters. It's so fitting for for this world. We don't get enough ending dance numbers in movies anymore. And I thought that this was just just a blast. And I just think there's something to be said about how cool it is that you like quite literally travel through the decades with each movie. Like the first movie is all 70s music. The second one is largely 80s. And then the third one is like 90s. And then it ends off with 2000s. And I thought that yeah. that was a very effective choice. Uh, Florence and the Machine is, is fantastic. And the way they use the song in this movie is... Dog Days Are Over is now just going to be associated with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Just forever. Yeah. It, it's it's a great ending uh, clip. Or scene. It's amazing. Yeah. Um Prior to this movie coming out, a lot of people were talking about if anybody was going to die. And I was curious, do you think anyone should have died? Or do you think it's nice that it wraps up with everybody making it out? It's a sweet ending. I think it's nice that it wraps up with everyone making it out. Um, the Guardians, especially Quill, has had a rough go of like people he care he cares about dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it would have just left it on such like a sad note. And so I think having no one die... And everyone just kind of move on. Um, I think it's such a huge thing for these characters too, because I feel like James Gunn was kind of speaking to Marvel in a sense where he was like, yo, some of these characters, AKA some of your movies and some of the stuff you're doing, you just got to move on. You got to do something different because you can't do the same thing over and over again. Um, And so I think it's great that these characters realize that in that, uh, like James Gunn isn't like, oh, one of them has to die or some of them have to die for them to move on. It's like, no, they just realize it as characters because it's the natural progression of their character to realize I've done everything. Time to go do something else. Right. Um, and in a similar way, James Gunn as well, closing that chapter of Marvel and being like, I'm done this now to go to something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, th- well I see a lot of parallels there. Uh, and I think it's just a great ending to the movie. And I'm so happy to see a Marvel movie where it's not like we lost this, but we won in the end. It's like, no, we just won. Mm-hmm. Um, True. And maybe there is something coming on the horizon and there's going to be things that, like that the guardians will forever have to deal with. But in this moment, these characters, this group of guardians, they are like satisfied. Um and I'm satisfied with their character arcs. I would love to see them come back, but if this was all we ever saw of all of the Guardians of the Galaxy, I'd be happy. True. Yeah. I, Marvel doesn't realize that the ending is the most important part of a story. And I love that this movie is is an ending. It's a conclusive ending. And James Gunn really set out, and it's clear to me, he set out to make a movie about closure and moving on, accepting your past for what it is, and then finding a way forward. And I just think it's really cool that a Marvel movie is serving up some really interesting, deep thematic stuff um, and doing it so effectively too. It's just 
man, I just really was so excited to have a Marvel movie be this good. It really reminded me of how I felt seated in the theater for like Endgame, which is to say, I used to love this shit, like really love it. And this was such a reminder of like the movies that I fell in love with when I was younger. And it proves to me that I'm not a grumpy critic asshole. I still like this stuff. You just have to do it well. Um, Yeah. At the end of the movie, it's very clear that Gamora and Drax will never be seen again. We're definitely not seeing them again. Um, Rocket and Groot, unlikely we'll see them for a while, but we get a post-credit scene that sets up. Maybe we could see them again at some time in the future, but we absolutely are going to see Star-Lord again because we get a post-credit scene with him that's kind of just a throwaway scene. I've heard people jokingly online describe it as a contract announcement scene, which I thought was hilarious. Um, But yeah, it just says the legendary Star-Lord will return. What capacity do you think Star-Lord will return? And are you interested in seeing him at all without the other members of the Guardians? I think what we're going to probably see from Star-Lord, like it might have to do with the, maybe the Avengers? I don't know. Like I really don't know what they're going to do with his character anymore. I mean, Avengers. I, I would love to see it. Um, and I, I believe in the interview I read with James Gunn, uh, he said that um, that Chris Pratt was open, but not really like wanting to do more with the character. Um, so we'll even see. We'll see if it even happens. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the only thing I could think of because he's on Earth now, you know. And so um, maybe somehow he'll connect with a, an Avenger or something like that. Um, and honestly, I would kind of love it. I would love to have peter quill who is like a pretty funny guy a funny character um to break up some of these more serious marvel characters or even the vice versa with having so many young marvel characters be like the new up-and-coming avengers now that peter quill is deemed as like the parent even though he's also still a child um so i don't know we'll see we'll see where he uh ends up going but yeah, I mean, I'd love to see him again. I love Peter Quill, so. Mm-hmm. Me too. I, everyone hates Chris Pratt these days. I, I, I understand the internet is no longer uh, in love with him the way that they used to be. At least not Parks and Rec Chris Pratt. Everybody's kind of started to view him as like Mario Garfield voice actor Chris Pratt. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's it's interesting, the idea of having him come back, even if it's in a small role in like an Avengers movie. Um. But again, I like I like closure, and I like that these characters got an ending. And I'm like, I would have been fine if we didn't see him again. Yeah, same. I would have been totally fine if we never saw him again. But maybe he'll come back in something. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, any any final thoughts on, on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three? Um, other than it's a banger, and I loved it. Not really. Uh, I think I could probably talk about the Guardians for so much longer, but I think I've said everything i kind of want to say um this movie is amazing and uh does it give me hope for marvel in the future no but uh i am excited to see what james gunn does with dc so Mm -hmm. i agree um before we do our rankings of the movie or actually let's do our rankings now and then i'll I'll name i'll list off this final thing what what would you give guardians of the galaxy volume three guardians of the galaxy volume three gets a 4.5 for me Um, I knock it for half a point because I think that in this movie, it sadly does fall into some of the Marvel tropes 
Um, I didn't really talk about this, but uh, like the the thing you see in all Marvel movies where it's like, we need to get this thing. Here it is. Let's go like really quickly. Um, that happens a couple of times in this movie, but it's probably just to save time so they can focus on the more important stuff, um, which totally fair, but it just like throws me in the wrong way, just the tiniest bit. So that's why I take out the 0.5. Um, but overall, really amazing movie, stellar performances from all the actors. Uh, phenomenal. Yeah, completely agree. Um, Chris Pratt, I just wanted to say, is also the best he's I've probably ever seen him as as like a dramatic actor. Yeah, the scene of him crying, holding Rocket, think he's dead, is like, I was like, shit, man, you can act like this. Why don't you act like this more? Um, I was blown away by the whole cast, as I had mentioned, everybody that I had listed off earlier. Um, Chikuri Awuji as the villain is awesome. Just yeah, he's really incredible. Awesome. Um, and I just thought it was action packed. It was emotional. It was fun. It was everything I'm really looking for from a comic book movie. I will agree that there's um, a couple criticisms. The movie just gets right into it, and it leaves a little bit to be desired for the Adam Warlock storyline, and in particular, um, just how fast it kind of gets in the plot. And like you had mentioned, the kind of jumping around to things a little conveniently. Um, but overall, I just I walked away very excited and very happy to have loved this movie the way I loved it. It's a four and a half for me as well. It might be my favorite movie of the year so far, but maybe it'll maybe it'll get bumped. Only time will tell. I uh, um, I do also have to mention something I did forget. Shout out an amazing cameo of Nathan Fillion <laughs> as yeah, the Ordo Corp awesome. like guy. <laughs> Hilarious, so funny when he's like, "Yeah, I got one of those guys too." He's a little, little. yeah, um, just so funny. This is also extremely random, and this is more so just to tell you it before I forget, and less so for listeners of our podcast. But the uh, the one who Mantis like manipulates to fall in love with Drax, like mm-hmm. the Orgo Corp dude, that guy is Dutch Vanderlyn from Red Dead Redemption. I knew he. Oh my goodness, he looks so familiar, and I was like, "Who is he?" Oh, that's I hilarious. It was, it was so funny. I was just like, "No way, no way, that's him." Um, yeah, what a, what a comic booky, silly, emotional, fun time, and yeah, what a, what a great ride, what a perfect ending to to maybe my favorite Marvel characters. Yeah, Marvel, that's how you do an ending. Yeah. <laughs> gotta gotta end it. That's how you do an ending. You stop. You gotta end it somewhere. Um, yeah, just to, to end off this episode, I wanted to ask you one last thing, which is James Gunn, as we've mentioned, is now the creative visionary for DC along with Peter Safran. In a sense, they're going to now be doing what Kevin Feige has done for Marvel, and they're going to be doing that for DC. So there's a whole slate of projects that have been announced. It's too long for us to get into each and every one and me to ask you your thoughts on all of them. So I will simply ask you, Gunn himself is directing and writing the next Superman movie, Superman Legacy. Um, do you think he's going to pull it off? Because James Gunn has always excelled at like these goofy, silly, ragtag team of like outsiders. And Superman is kind of an outsider, but he's also Superman. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on him being the guy and not only the director, but the writer for the next Superman movie. Personally, as someone who... Like, I'm not a huge fan of the Superman movies, but I think that Superman right now has been portrayed as so, like, just serious and intense all the time. But there is very much, like, Superman does have um, some comedy and that kind of stuff to it. Like, it can happen. Um, So I think it definitely has potential 
uh, for it to be a bit comedic and a bit different than what we've seen from Superman. Because I think if we just keep doing the same serious Superman that we've been doing with Henry Cavill, it's going to get boring. Um, so I think having a fresh uh, take on it, like James Gunn is going to give it, and uh, might actually help it a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I think Gunn will use his signature comedy throughout this movie, but I do think he's going to go for a much more serious, mature story here. Yeah, definitely. Um, but a little bit of lightheartedness might help it out. Well, one of my favorite quotes, and this was, uh, he had put this on Twitter and he said, I want my Superman to smile. And I was yes. like, yes, that is a perfect way of wording it. I'm so sick Such of Superman a- being the brooding dude. He's not Batman. Such a huge thing about Superman is yes, he is serious and yes, he's intense, but he's also like, an alien on this planet and so like i think james gunn is totally gonna play with like he's not gonna understand the social cues like he's not gonna um he's gonna be a bit like drax where he's almost like oblivious at times or probably can be so yeah Yeah. i think it'll be good agreed i also last thing on guardians hadn't mentioned this shout out james gunn for throwing in the first ever use of fuck in a marvel movie yes on such like oh it's so good because it's not like in a serious moment it's not in like a intense way it is open the fucking car door like (laughs) oh come on that's so good (laughs) he could have used it in like this dramatic emotional climax for a character and instead he just he uses it for probably the most effective comedy bit in the entire movie (laughs) which is just it's really good yeah um, I remember Kevin, I read something where Kevin Feige was like to James Gunn, he's like, you can do it, but are you sure you want your legacy with Marvel to be, to be like that? And James Gunn was like, absolutely. Do you even know me? Of course I want to say fucking Marvel Yeah, that movie. sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Guardians Galaxy four and a half stars out of five for me. It's, it's just great. So go check it out. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, but I think that's about everything we have for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Um, ending this podcast off with a cheerful note to go watch the movie, listen to the soundtrack, even though the movie's like so sad. Um, but it's just it's such a great time. So yeah. thank you so much for listening to this. Uh, if you want to check out our other episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcasts, um, at the Dive Movie Cast. Uh, and we have an Instagram too, at the Dive Movie Cast, if you want to check out our Instagram posts. And our individual Instagrams, I'm at Wesley Giffen. I am at Hayden Kudris, and it's the same name on our letterbox. So thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.